fighting for freedom every day. Broadcasting from the heartland of America. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is a post-Monday celebration. Greatest day of the entire week. I say that every single day, but by golly, we are the eternal optimists. Excited about the day just because it's the sake of a day ending in day. So welcome into it. It is a Tuesday, the post-Monday. So wonderful to have you with us here on The Voice of Reason, broadcasting out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations and TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen. Welcome aboard your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day, man. We are coming off a crazy wild day today. Had the opportunity, had the privilege, had the honor to fill in for the great Todd Starnes. Todd Starnes Radio Show, nationally syndicated on like, I don't know, 150 stations, something like that. We just got off that a little bit ago. So uh, such a great honor to fill in. We'll be doing that again tomorrow. So if you want to check that out, ToddStarnes.com. Give him a little plug, you can see. And we'll be filling in for his uh, nationwide broadcast in the middle of the day. And it was a lot of fun today. I had a lot of fun. I haven't done a three-hour program in a while, so it was nice to actually have plenty of time to talk about issues because it feels like we're kind of cramming so much into this show. We don't get to really break it down, spend the time that we want to in this limited amount of time that we have together. But there was a story that we read on that program that I had to bring to this show as well because I'm still scratching my head, but although... It's starting to make sense. Put on the tinfoil hat for just a moment as we get into our What's Trending story of the day. What's trending today? I have a new theory. I have a new theory on this one because now that we're seeing more and more likely that Joe Biden will not become the candidate for the Democrats in the 2024 presidential race, although according to the odds, they say according to a near 68% chance in the betting odds that he will be the presidential candidate, it's looking more likely that he's not. Now, I say that because, obviously, people are losing their minds. Like, the media very angry at the fact that he is uh, that he is being questioned on his mental capacity right now and his cognitive ability, although it's been something that we've seen since, I don't know, since he took office back in 2020. And I also but, am sick and tired of everybody talking about his age. When you listen, look at the age of Donald Trump, which is only a couple of years <laughs> younger, who's got 91 uh, felony counts against him. Yeah, apparently the number of felony counts that you have against you shows your cognitive ability. So that's the Democrats trying to defend Joe Biden. Not the fact that, oh, don't worry about his gaffes, don't worry about the bad things that he says, don't worry about all that. No, it's really just the fact that he's old, but look at Donald Trump with his 90-plus felony charges going against him. That apparently is the proof positive that he, the Joe Biden meaning, has cognitive ability to run the nation, which blows my mind. But while we're starting to question this and the Democrats behind the scenes are like, eh, maybe we should start moving him out just a little bit. There we came across this and I read it earlier today and I have to read it today because I have to read it on this program now because it makes sense with what we're seeing. Joe Biden and all of his great public service that he's done all throughout the years since what, 1978, when he took office originally as a senator. All of these years, they have to have him go out with a bang. They have to have him go out in style. They have to have him go out in a manner that praises him and essentially kisses up to him enough to where he's willing to step down and be out on his quote-unquote high horse, go out on top. Because if he continues the way he's going, he's not going to go out on top, but he doesn't recognize that because of obviously his mental capacity. So they want to slide him out 
But they have to do it in a way that actually boosts his ego just a little bit because that might just be how he actually operates as a human being. So I have a new theory on this. There is a piece from TheHill.com that talks about a latest survey of a panel of quote-unquote experts, historian experts in the nation, that rank the presidents and the best and worst presidents in American history. Now, for some reason, every year that they do this, they do different historians that do this survey, and the presidents rank in different levels each and every year, which already, to me, questions the credibility of this uh, panel, because if that's the case, I don't know how a president can change their ranking based on not having been in office to do something differently. So once you do it, it should like be there. And the only time it would change is if someone bumps into your place and you move up or down one slot because of that. But outside of that, you shouldn't move in the rankings because you haven't done anything different from the last time the survey was actually taken. George Washington, how could you? Just for example. So the new ranking has come out on the presidency. In the 2024 Presidential Greatness Project Expert Survey, That sounds like one that really has to reiterate the fact that they are experts in these fields. The Presidential Greatness Project Expert Survey was done between November 15th to December 31st and ranks Joe Biden as the 14th best president in the entire history of the United States. Now, (laughs) I'm going with this, so bear with me for a second. He was ranked number 14 as the greatest president in American history, as Abraham Lincoln was ranked number one as the greatest president, which would make sense if it is a biased, left-leaning group of individuals that voted for Abraham Lincoln because of him abolishing slavery, which I I agree. I think he's a great president. Coincidentally, he's a Republican as well, so they kind of, you know, kind of tongue-in-cheek on that one and kind of bites it back to them. But nonetheless... He was a Republican, and he did end up ending slavery in this nation until the Reconstruction thereafter. So they rank him as number one. They put Biden ahead of Woodrow Wilson, Ronald Reagan, and Ulysses S. Grant. Barack Obama, this is where the weird part happens, Barack Obama went up eight spots to number seven in this ranking. And can you guess where they put Donald Trump in this entire thing? Oh, yeah. Donald Trump ranked at the lowest, ranking 45 underneath James Buchanan at 44, Andrew Johnson at 43, Franklin Pierce at 42nd, and William Henry Harrison at 41st. Donald Trump the absolute last at number 45, with Joe Biden at number 14. Now, while you may shake your head and be yelling at the radio for a moment, I want you to put this into perspective. Again, I read that and I was like, wow, this is really stupid. Is it opposite day? And we had some fun earlier, but... Now, I'm thinking about it. It makes sense with the headline that I'm seeing here this afternoon as well. Is according to, uh, who is this, Breitbart.com, Kamala Harris now has a plan to step up the Biden campaign strategy and tactics and make him a viable candidate with him losing in just about every one of the polls against Donald Trump right now, where she wants to take the reins of the campaign trail and essentially become the nominee by guiding what the campaign should look like. Now, this is the woman that spent 30, 40 seconds trying to describe what culture actually means to her. Culture is, it is a reflection of our moment and our time, right? And, and, and present culture is the way we express how we're feeling about the moment. And, and we should always find times to express how we feel about the moment. That is a reflection of joy because, you know... It comes in the morning. (laughs) We have to find ways to also express 
the way we feel about the moment in terms of just having language and, and, and a connection <laughs> to how people are experiencing life. And I think about it in that way, too. Um, I, I have no clue. I got nothing on that one. I got nothing. The word salads, the jumblingness of Kamala Harris coming out again and showing her intellect and her IQ level. Wants to be the one to step up, rise to the challenge, and replace Joe Biden as the presidential candidate. In which case, if that happened, by the way, it would have to go through a three-step process at the DNC convention that's set for June because Joe Biden's already on the ballot for the primary races all over the country, which would include, number one, Biden voluntarily stepping aside before the Democratic National Convention. And I say Democrat, not Democratic. My apologies there, although that's the way it's written. That's another conversation for another time. Number two, the delegates nominate a new candidate at the convention, which would hopefully, according to her, be Kamala Harris, and then would do the vote, tie up the loose ends, and make her the official nominee. So that would have to happen before the convention in just a few months. They're trying to hold him out right now. According to the latest odds, it shows right now that Joe Biden is still the top candidate, at least according to some of the betting odds, as Betfair has Obama the second most favored candidate, oh my, with Joe Biden still sitting at 69% of voters and gamblers saying that he will become the Democrat nominee in November, uh, according to many of them, a 4 to 9 or 69% odds on that one. Michelle Obama coming in second place at 11% of those believing that she'll become the nominee. Gavin Newsom at 7.7%, Kamala Harris at 6.3%, Gretchen Whitmer at 1.3%, Elizabeth Warren at one3 and Hillary Clinton at one1 Well, I mean, that would make sense. Kamala and Hillary, they could partner up together and they could go and do their big campaign all over the country and tell people exactly what they want to hear in their word salads that they do together. I don't feel no ways tired. <laughs> Yet. I Sing it. Preach it. Nobody told me that the road would be easy. I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. I think Hillary Clinton and Kamala Harris would be perfect together on a campaign ticket. And no one would go out and vote for that one because I would not be able to listen to the screeching or the cackling of either one of those two. And to put those on a ticket together, oh man, that would be that would be devastating. That would hurt. That would hurt just a little bit. So now we have Joe Biden ranked as the 14th most popular, best president in American history. And whatever ranking they use for that in the curriculum, not quite sure, but that's what they're doing. Donald Trump at the bottom of that list and Kamala Harris eking her way into the conversation at the same time. I don't know that that's going to be a positive. Uh, well, it's not going to be positive for us in, in general for all of us, but it's definitely not going to be a most the popular positive movement that the Democrats are looking for. I don't know if that's the direction that they want to go because she is even less popular than Joe Biden right now and still one of the lowest approved vice presidents in American history or at least modern American history right now. And if they want to make her the candidate like they really wanted to at the very beginning of the Biden administration with their hopes of having her slide into that seat, she's got to step up. And every time she's tried to step up, she's bombed out big time. The first test of that, if you remember, was when Joe Biden first took office and she ended up becoming the immigration czar. And you can see how well that worked out. We're still talking immigration three years later. She's yet to actually visit the border in any substantial manner. She hasn't created any policy. She didn't work with Congress on creating anything. So she really didn't do a whole lot of what her job actually was. And every time they put her in front of a microphone... She bombs out big time. Every time they put her in front of an interview, 
to chat with somebody, she says something stupid like culture is a feeling that you get early in the morning. Like, yeah, that's what she says, because that's the depth of her intellect. And then even her own people in her staff in her office end up walking away and quitting because they can't deal with her stupidness and ridiculousness. So uh, the Democrats are in shambles right now. And I say this all the time, but Republicans, we have an opportunity to do really, really well here. We're going into South Carolina's primaries that are a week from today, essentially. And Donald Trump's up 60 percent to 38 percent over Nikki Haley. And the only reason Nikki Haley has a 38 percent approval right now in that in that uh, election for the South Carolina primary is because, number one, it's her home state and she's still getting her butt kicked. And number two, it's an open primary where Democrats are supporting her and a massive amount of money being dumped into her campaign from the Democrat side, which tells you exactly where she stands on a lot of the issues and how she would actually operate as a potential Republican presidential nominee going into a general election. So we already pretty much have our side secured up and locked and loaded, ready to go. What are the Democrats going to do? It gets worse for the Biden administration. It gets worse for the Biden campaign. They're realizing he's falling rapidly. We still have yet to see what that test, that physical test that the doctor did at the White House last week. We have not heard a word about it. According to Karine Jean-Pierre, we're not going to hear a word about it. And they don't want to give us any intel. And they said, oh, by the way, we're not doing a cognitive test either because his job on a daily basis proves his cognitive ability. (laughs) Yeah. That's why the American people are like, yeah, maybe we should go with somebody else. Lots more coming up for The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. So watching the video over social media over the break, (laughs) there's another video hat tip to the RNC research on Instagram and Facebook. There is a video of Joe Biden again while he's totally in control of himself trying to walk up Air Force One with the short steps and still tripping twice on the short steps trying to walk up. (laughs) Ah, there's that. So... Welcome, our fearless leader for, uh, what do we do? What do we do? We got to get this guy out. Elections have consequences, my friends, and 2024 is going to be a big one. We need to make sure it's going to be bigly. And I think we're going to make it bigly. That's what we do all the time. Hey, by the way, looking at Washington, D.C., let's go and let's bypass Biden for just a moment here. The United States is part of the U.N., as you know, and the United Nations apparently made a big vote today as well, trying to create a ceasefire in the Gaza Strip. And for the third time... The United States has been the one that actually vetoed the resolution to not allow that to happen. According to Newsmax.com, there was an Arab-based U.N. resolution today demanding an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war that embattled the Gaza Strip. Now, I want to, again, put this into perspective into election mode for a moment as the Biden administration is looking to try and win back over different populations across the nation. Right now, he's losing the Jewish vote because he hasn't stood for Israel as strongly as he needed to. He he tried to go for like the first day, and then it kind of went to the wayside. He's also losing the the popularity of the Muslim communities. And I've read the story about in Michigan that the Muslim voters have come out and said they're not going to be supporting him, which was kind of the difference of how he won the state of Michigan, that difference between him and Trump in the last election. And then even in uh, Minnesota, 
he's losing those uh, voters as well, which is getting such a close, narrow margin now that Donald Trump's actually in play in a progressive state like Minnesota. So he's doing what he can to try and build back his repertoire with some of the minority communities, including the Muslim communities in the nation. And it's not working. And this is not going to bode well for them either, as the third resolution that the U.S. has shot down and vetoed with them trying to create that ceasefire. So according to them, the 15-member Security Council voted 13 to 1 with the United Kingdom abstaining from the vote that, according to Fox, uh, according to Newsmax, reflecting the wide global support for ending more than the four-month war that started with Hamas's surprise invasion in southern Israel, killing 1,200 individuals, taking 250 others hostage on that one. So while Joe Biden's saying something on the campaign trail about we need to talk tough with, with Israel, we need to do this ceasefire, and in fact, he's doing what he can. He's been putting a lot of pressure on him. He's got the leaked video or audio tape of him calling Benjamin Netanyahu some not-so-very-nice FCC-censored words that we can't say on the radio, that he's not happy with Israel. He wants to turn his back on them, but yet it is public policy and government policy to support our ally, which right now is the nation of Israel. So he can say one thing, but the administration's doing something against what he wants on the campaign trail. And because of that now, he has a lot of very upset Democrat voters that want him to turn his back on Israel and support the Palestinian uh, individuals. And he's not able to do that. While he may talk a tough talk, he can't do that because government policy disallows him to do so. And now those that are on the U.N. Security Council voted against it and vetoed that resolution for an immediate ceasefire, allowing Israel to continue to do what they're doing, which they say they're roughly, what, 60 to 70 percent done by eliminating Hamas in the area? And if that's the case, good for them. Continue it on because we're not going to allow them to be attacked like that again, uh, just out of the blue like Hamas ended up doing. Not the Palestinian people, but the terrorist organization of Hamas. And it's okay to say that you're allowed to say radical Islamic terrorist when they actually are. That does not lump in the entire Muslim or Arab community at all. And those that do that and try to lump everybody in like that means that you're generalizing to a very grand scheme, and that's not the way that we actually handle issues. But we commend the U.S., uh, U.S. I guess, Security Council and the U.N. that vetoed this initiative because they're doing everything they can to try and stomp out Israel and not allow them to defend themselves and eliminate the threat that's right on their border. Kind of sounds familiar with what we're seeing across the rest of the world, isn't it? How dare you try to defend your borders unless you're Ukraine? Oh. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason meets radio. This is the voice of reason with Andy. Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Moving through the day here. Oh, how the time flies right on by on the home stretch already. So much to talk about. So little time to do it. We sat down earlier today with Michael Waller. He is the author of the book Big Intel. There's some new conversation, new investigations, new task force being done when it comes to artificial intelligence and social media, how the two are going to tie together, how you can continue to keep your privacy, and how you cannot be the target of being threatened by, I don't know, our own government agencies like the CIA and FBI and other agencies like that as well. Because it seems like lately, if you remember, we've been really t uh, public enemy number one. If you are a Republican, a MAGA supporter, or a conservative in any way, shape, because they want to make sure that you are not that domestic terrorist that Joe Biden 
talks oh so much about. We sat down with Michael Waller just a little bit ago, and this is what he had to say. Michael, how are you, my friend? All right, Andy. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to talk to you again, my friend. It's been a little bit. What a world we live in. We're so concerned about TikTok and China collecting our data, which I get is a concern. But how concerned should we be about our own government and law enforcement agencies that are silencing us on social media and calling us the threats to America? Well, you know, you, you picked the right the right issue for the FBI to be focusing on. It's just a shame that last week when he was in Munich, FBI Director Ray was posing right next to the TikTok logo when he, he gave a speech. <laughs> we have a we we, we have a, we have to be really concerned because well, on the one hand, you've got the FBI saying we've got communist Chinese uh, abuse of our system and, and they're you know, using social media for nefarious purposes. The FBI has gone completely out of control targeting half the American population as potential domestic violent extremists or enemies because we're, we're full of hate. We're, mis, we're misgendering people and using the wrong pronouns. It's literally gotten this bad within the Bureau. When did we get to this point, Michael? Obviously, this had to have some kind of transition, but it start, we really started paying attention to the FBI during the Trump investigations, the invasion of Mar-a-Lago, and the arrest of other individuals that were associated with Donald Trump uh, throughout the past few years, where the FBI kind of headed up some of these. And obviously, there were some corrupt apples. We're not saying the entire agency is corrupt with every agent. They're just doing their job, or maybe they disagree with it entirely. But where did we get to this point? How in the world did one of our agencies that's supposed to protect uh, the nation and protect the citizens of America. How how in the world did we see them actually turn on us and start targeting us instead of targeting our enemies? It happens so gradually. It's kind of like when you don't pay attention to your tires and then the sidewall blows out and you wonder why. It, it, it's one of these things where we we thought the FBI was was a great institution doing great things, and all of a sudden we found that's no longer the case. So it happened really gradually. It, 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 the FBI was really one of the last government institutions to go. And it started when, uh, really under the George W. Bush administration, when there was a big hiring and a lowering of standards to get more people into the Bureau, and then a uh, centralization of power within the FBI, so that it was no longer handled by the local field offices to initiate cases. It was all handled by the central apparatus in Washington, with two new layers of of bureaucracy and management, 60 new management positions put in for the super centralized system, and then the USA Patriot Act. So when you have, you know, and that, and that law, the Patriot Act, was so dangerous, even the, the, the lawmakers and President Bush realized it was so dangerous that it had to expire within a few years because it represented such a public danger. So it would have expired automatically, but Congress kept renewing it time after time after time, and then all of a sudden, here we are. So when you have a, somebody, any bureaucracy, when it's accomplished its mission, it's not going to say, okay, it's time to just downsize and, and go back to where we were. They're going to look for more to do or else they're going to lose their budgets and all those job positions. So they went out looking for more enemies. In the meantime, they were hiring woke people to take the places of the people who were, who were being promoted for those who were retiring until so much such time as you had really worse than PC, you know, woke, uh, cr- critical theory type people controlling the whole nervous system of the FBI. So then they went out looking for more enemies. Wow. With much of the power you mentioned, much of the power being focused and centralized in D.C. as opposed to kind of the local branches across the nation, 
Is that a concern that we need to have when we look at, for example, sheriff's offices? We've talked about, and it's been a national conversation for a while, about centralizing law enforcement all over the country and centralizing that power and authority and that regulation at the top and then having local law enforcement, the the, the county sheriff's office, the state highway patrols, and, and so on and so forth being centralized up there to get their marching orders. If we go down that road, God forbid, if we go down that direction, would we start seeing the same type of corruption in that system as we do in the FBI right now? Absolutely. And less accountability, too, because the sheriffs are really our last line of defense. They're, most people don't even know what sheriffs do. They're the, they're the senior elected law enforcement officer, you know, in, generally in the county. So the people directly vote for their sheriffs. They can vote them in and out of office. And when we vote for them, not many of us pay attention to who the sheriff is or what they're doing. We just sort of check the box. And uh, without without actually interviewing the candidates for sheriff or the incumbent, but just think of it: the sheriffs have the constitutional power to to limit what the FBI and the, the ATF and others can do in their counties. They don't have to help the FBI in their counties. Yet the yet the yet they perform the functions of the eyes and ears and hands of the federal agents in their own counties when the federal agents need help. A lot of sheriffs are resisting this FBI abuse. There's legitimate reasons, I mean, to have FBI working at the local level, obviously. But when they see the central power abusing itself, and then and then even getting the sheriffs to deputize federal agents to become state and county law enforcement, that's where we lose public accountability and the local people no longer have control over their own law enforcement leaders. And it's all handed over to to uh, really the, the woke revolutionaries in Washington. Yeah, it's a scary thought if we go down that road. We're talking with Michael Waller. He is the author of the book Big Intel, how the CIA and FBI went from Cold War heroes to deep state villains. He's on the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker Hotline. Let's talk about and tie this into the uh, discussion of artificial intelligence and social media, which is obviously the hot topic now, where AI is going to go, where social media is. And a term that we haven't heard in a very long time, really since the Patriot Act that you mentioned, was metadata and all the metadata collection from our text messages and emails and cell phones. And I make the case that, again, while we should be concerned about TikTok, at the same time, if you have a Gmail account, if you have a Facebook account, if you used to have at least a Twitter account, the government already has everything on you. They follow and track everything that you do. Uh, When we look at this and move forward to artificial intelligence, how much more data needs to be collected from each individual using these services, and what could that potentially do if we have these agencies right now that aren't the most favorable to the American public? Well, AI can also predict your behavior, and it, it can it can classify you in ways that you, we can't even imagine. It, it can draw psychological profiles of every single citizen, and then determine who's a threat and who's not based on what is the criteria for the threat. Are you a jihadist who is going to blow something up, or are you simply a a, a Christian who shops at Bass Pro? You know, what kind of terrorist are you? And and so AI will aggregate all that, and then of course. Uh, it can follow your movements everywhere you go if you have a smartphone, unless you shut off the smartphone or use a Faraday case. So they can track your movements everywhere, and then all your connections with everybody you know and everyone they know. So you have zero privacy. So if the federal government is allowed to have this without due cause, then then they're going to build a, a George Orwell-type database of uh, everything we see, do, and, and plan to do. Yeah. 
That again, I think I was born in the wrong time era, Michael. I, I don't know that I necessarily like these where they can predict my behaviors and what I'm going to be doing, where I'm going to be shopping, what I believe in or what I'm going to stand for. I, I kind of want to go back to the times where I have an actual literal soapbox and uh, smoke signals that I can just give my political opinion on. Can we can we go back to that style? I, I'd rather go back to that. Last question for you, Michael, before we let you go, and I appreciate your time very much. But what can we do to start working on cleaning this up and how do we protect our privacy in this time era and when it comes to an agency like this, is there a chance for it to get back on track, or are they so corrupt that it kind of needs to hit the reset button? Well, you don't have a four-hour show or I'd answer the whole question. Uh, <laughs> but, but I will say, uh, in short, the people at the top want us to feel isolated. They want us to feel afraid, and they want us to feel hopeless. So we, we have to just remember that we don't need to feel hopeless. We have the sheriffs. That's a really basic thing. We don't need all these apps and other things on our phone that can track us the way they do. You, you, we don't need to have even a smartphone. If you would just want to have a flip phone, you can you can save a lot of your privacy by just getting a regular flip, flip phone. But the key thing now is this presidential election, because the if, 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 say, President Trump comes in with a real plan, and I know people have drawn up real actionable plans, I've seen them, uh, to to take over these agencies on day one, the way he did not do the first time with a unified team of people that he didn't have the first time, with with a real action plan through executive orders, and then draft laws already written before Inauguration Day to introduce to hopefully a friendly Congress, then you can have something done from the top. If that doesn't happen, it never will happen. Because the way the personnel system is working now, you have the people hired after 9-11, the, the, the real woke uh, rot in the agencies, they're now mid, mid and senior level managers and supervisors. So in the next presidential term, they're going to be running the entire permanent bureaucracy. So it doesn't matter who's on top anymore after that. There it is. That again, Michael Waller. He is author of the book, Big Intel. You can go and check out that book on Amazon, other places, his website as well. It is concerning, is it not? The CIA, FBI, other government agencies looking to go after you and it really started with after 9-11, allowing the Patriot Act, allowing some of these big policies to take hold, take effect, and for them to start censoring you and monitoring you. It turned from fighting terrorism to make sure we're safe to, oh, look at that. Now you are the terrorist because you don't agree with the Biden administration, the big government program, the government coming in to take care of you and solve your life issues. And now you're the problem. It's something that we have to address, and we can only do that with, I don't know, somebody that's outside of the governmental agencies coming in to clean house and get rid of some of the corruption going on internally that won't go away with the current establishment system. Lots more coming up. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into our last couple of minutes here on the program. Oh, how the time flies right on by so much. Speaking of artificial intelligence, man, I tell you, I, I really think I was born in the wrong time. I'm <laughs> born in the wrong time. This is crazy, man. Now, I know we have to be part of the conversation. We have to be part of the creation of this. We have to be part of the regulation of it. We have to be part of that conversation because we've said it before. If we're not, that means it will be used against us. We can't be the ones being like, ah, get off my lawn type of mentality. And then they create AI. And then down the road, 100 years down the road, when our great grandkids are like, hey, 
and they ask AI, who founded the United States? And they say, a bunch of rich old white guys who owned all the property and hated minorities. Like, that's going to be the norm unless we make sure that doesn't happen when AI is actually being created. We know that that's going to be the conversation. There is a new task force that is being presented by Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House, where they're trying to put a task force together to discuss the artificial intelligence issue and make sure that it's being done properly, make sure that there is right information in it, making sure that it's not consuming a whole bunch of personal identity information and not tracking stuff. Remember the metadata collection that we heard about during 9-11 and the metadata that was being collected on our cell phones and our emails. That's why when we talk about this TikTok thing, I'm really, I mean, sure, okay, be scared and worried about TikTok, but also be worried about Facebook and of Twitter and of YouTube and of Google and of your Gmail account and of all these other ones that, and your cell phones and your home computers where they're just collecting all this other data anyways. It's time that we get rid of all that. It's time for some individual privacy again. But I don't know if that's going to happen because my generation has openly said that they'd be willing to trade in their privacy and allow the government to collect all of their email collections for a free pizza. And if that's the case, then we have a bigger problem here because we have gone way down the road of people not caring about what privacy actually looks like. There is a bigger concern of artificial intelligence to where is it going to really make us obsolete? Here's the wild story of the day if you want to get into a bit of some weird news for the day. Weird news of the day. According to Axios.com, there was an unveiling of a new product for open AI, open artificial intelligence, on Thursday last week, unveiling what they call a Sora, which is a new program for artificial intelligence that turns verbal commands, like what you say, hey, create this, and they turn it into a lifelike movie clip. Now, if I remember correctly, there was a protest that happened for a good decent amount of time with a writer's strike in Hollywood because they were concerned about their jobs of writing scripts actually being uh, taken advantage of or replaced by artificial intelligence who was actually going to create the uh, scripts for these movies. But if we're creating an AI that's already generating the movie clip, is it going to make actors altogether obsolete as well? Or... Is it going to be even a bigger problem where we see a video of someone doing something that may be illegal or gets them in trouble or maybe a politician that puts them behind bars or makes them destroy their entire credibility or their reputation? That's not really true because artificial intelligence made that movie clip of what they were actually doing. Now, I don't, not to put any names into anybody here, but is there a possibility of, oh, I don't know, hey, Donald Trump, do something bad here. And then, of course, the video is made. And then, voila, look at that. Donald Trump is the most hu- horrible human being on the face of the earth because look at this video of what he's doing where he's potentially breaking the law. Is that what we're up against now? Is that what we have to deal with? And again, it makes us distrust things even more so. But I would think that after the major protest from the writer's strike in Hollywood just, I don't know, months ago, that with the unveiling of this type of artificial intelligence, that they would be not only worried about the writing, but now about the Hollywood actors making their 20 and 30 and $40 million per screen as well. So I think that this is going to be something that, of course, the government's going to come in and try to heavily regulate and control right out of the gate. And like I said, unless we're part of that conversation, it's going to be open season on conservatives and Republicans that are going to be running for office, wanting to fight against the status quo, wanting to fight against the big establishment elite. And they're going to say, oh, no, you can't run against us. Look at that. We caught you. 
uh, doing something bad, doing drugs or, you know, sleeping around or robbing a bank or who knows what. And then they say, oh, here's the leaked video. Don't know where that came from when it was all AI generated. I am concerned about the future. I don't know how to trust anything anymore. I don't know what the future may hold. What I do know is that we need to be at our A game and be on top of these things before it gets out of control and they target it. Andy, they'll never target us. Totally, they'll never target us. Like they never targeted the Patriot Act and the CIA and the FBI to go after conservatives for being domestic terrorists and a threat to democracy, which is now the campaign of 2024 from the Bidens and the Democrat Party. Never happened. Don't worry about that. You'll never never have to worry about that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, we're back at it again tomorrow. Until then, be your own voice of reason. Be that catalyst for change. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.